This is Sia Senior, and you're listening to The First Deal Show. Welcome to The First Deal Show with your host, Caroline with a K. On this show, we're talking about investors' first investment property. Join me for a trip down memory lane as we hear the good, bad, and ugly of that first deal. This is your host here, Caroline with a K, and I've got a very special guest, Sia Senior, who is a mother, a former math teacher, and real estate investor that I've brought onto the and syndicator, my bad, that I've brought onto the show to talk to us about her first deal. So before we get into it, and thank you so much, Sia, for coming on the show. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you for having me. Claro. And so I want to get into the kiss me segment. So you're going to tell us a little bit about you through these questions so that we can warm you up, get you ready for the fun of the show. And then we'll talk about your first deal. How does that sound? Sounds great. Awesome. So the first question as always is what was your first album purchased? First album purchased was legend by Bob Marley. My favorite, favorite album. Yeah, he's a, a great singer. I'll have to uh, listen to the whole album because I just know a few songs. <laughs> oh, gosh. Every song is a hit. Every song is a hit. Oh, I'm sure. With an album titled Legend? How could it not be? Um, okay, so next question is, what was the biggest challenge that held you back from investing in real estate? Huh, I would say the biggest challenge was uh, risking um, funds, obviously. Um, and for me, going in full time, it was not having the security of the steady paycheck from my W two as a teacher, you know, and the the confidence of having health insurance all the time, which is a big deal. So that was my biggest challenge. And how do you feel like you've done, you know, since going full time? Yeah, so it's been we've been very blessed and fortunate. Never had to miss a bill or a meal. Um, all the health insurance taken care of. Um, so we've been very fortunate. Okay, so there's hope, guys, all right? Don't let the golden handcuffs hold you back. So, um, you know, thank you for sharing that. And what is something new that you learned or did during the pandemic that others might not know about you? Yeah, so during the pandemic, I actually started a pandemic garden with my kids, um, which was a lot of fun. It was great to kind of, we needed something to do, right? And when we were outside, you didn't want to be stuck, stuck in the house. And we have uh, an acre lot. So we used a little piece off by the playground area and created our own little garden. And the kids helped in that. And it's been great because they've been able to actually eat veggies that they said they didn't like. Oh. <laughs> so, so it's been great. What are some of the vegetables that you guys are growing? Uh, we do jalapenos, tomatoes. We've done okra, which they love because I love okra. Um, and it's been really, really a lot of fun, a lot of fun and squash, which is very easy to grow. Surprisingly. Really? So. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. I have to get, you know, pull your ear offline about doing Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and finally, what is your favorite quote? Uh, my favorite quote is by Dr. Maya Angelou and it is when you know better, you do better. I'm paraphrasing, but the idea is that, you know, you do the best you can, you know, and then when you find you know, and get information and knowledge to do better, then you just do better. So you do the best that you can with what you have at the moment. It's better than doing nothing. So I love that quote. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing. So with all of that being said, where are you based? 
So we're um, outside the DC, um, we're in the DC suburbs, right outside DC, um, in Upper Marlboro, Maryland, um, a nice little suburb. Um, and yeah, it's very exciting over here. And where are you actively investing? So right now we have our own personal portfolio that is primarily in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, but we do have a couple in the county that we live in right now. And we have a four unit in DC, along with a 16 unit joint venture that we got last year in Tennessee. And oh, and a, a LP investment that we have in Houston, 134 units. Awesome. So Sia is quite the decorated uh, investor, seasoned investor, and she's going to talk to us about one of those awesome deals. So tell us, Sia, what was your first real estate investment deal? Well, the first real estate investment deal was a house hack um, that we did where we lived in the property um, as husband and wife had moved out into the house we live now, and then we rented out that property. Uh, but my first commercial deal was my 16 unit joint venture that I did with a couple that we have done with a couple of our partners in Tennessee. So that's the first deal that we've done. So yeah, that's awesome. 16 units, my favorite number. So I'm super excited to kind of get into the weeds of it about this deal. Um, so Tennessee, but you guys are based in, uh, Washington, Maryland area. So then yeah. how did that come about? So yeah, we've been in the multifamily space for a little over two years now and just connecting with people. Um, having been in real estate since 2005, 2003 in a single family space, you know, it was great, but we didn't really have any people that we knew that were in that multifamily space. And so we did some networking um, and I actually met uh, my future partners during an underwriting session, a group that we would go to every Thursday and practice underwriting together, get some information, knowledge about underwriting, which for us was really important because as you do deals, um, although we could do a deal single family and know it like no no problem, we weren't as um, informed um, on the piece that was the underwriting for multifamily. There's a little bit of a difference. And so we were able to do that um, and connect with them, meet them in person. And that's how we, you know, found that deal. Oh, awesome. Okay. So your network that you established brought you the deal. Absolutely. Yep. Okay. So then um, within the deal, you said it was a joint venture. Was there a primary role? Like, did you guys structure it similar to syndication or how did you? So in this particular case, um, it's not like syndication only because, you know, in the syndication, you've got general partners that find a deal that implement the business plan to, you know, get the property up and running and get it efficient so that it can perform well. Um, and then you have limited partners that basically, you know, invest their capital, but they don't really have any um, part to play in actively managing the asset. Unlike in a joint venture where the group um, decides together, we take different parts or different roles in managing the asset um, and we all have to be active. And so that's the biggest difference between a joint venture where everyone who is um, you know, invested in the asset has to take a role, um, however big or small. And then as opposed to the syndication where the limited partners just invest their capital. I see. So um, on this deal, how did you guys structure it? Like what was the financing? What were the terms? What was the purchase price? Yeah. So it's a 16 unit in um, 16 unit townhouse, um, two bed, two bath asset in Johnson city. Um, they have garages, beautiful asset. It was actually um, kind of, you know, a, a really great deal. Not kind of, it was a really great deal. The property was actually built by the seller. Um, he has a number of other assets and he was starting to offload them. And so we, um, our team, you know, came across this deal, took a look at it, did the underwriting, um, and we were able to negotiate um, with him 
to do seller financing. So we purchased it for 1.5 million. Um, and he took a seller, um, you know, a seller note. We got a note from him to do seller financing for 1 million. And then we brought the rest to the table um, to do the deal for that. And so we've got about 18 months to, to two years that we'll be working on stabilizing the asset. Uh, and then we'll refinance out of that into some other type of financing, whichever makes sense at that time. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. You guys did seller financing. Oh, yeah. right. I have to give all credit to Hema Robles because she was very good at negotiating that. But yeah, we were very fortunate to be able to find that. Those are deals that you really like. Um, I will say also about the property is that because it was, you know, kind of self-managed by the owner, um, by the seller, you know, he has, he has, or he had other assets that, um, you know, um, were kind of more of the, uh, moderate, lower income. And so these uh, 16 units, which were really nice and he had done a really great job on, were actually under market rent, grossly under market. And so it was great for us because we could see that even though we purchased it and were able to get cash flow on day one, there was still a lot of potential to increase the rents uh, responsibly, um, which our group wanted to do, and still be able to make it profitable. And so that's even like the icing on the cake, I guess you could say, to that piece. Yeah. So what this deal was an off-market deal? It was not an off-market deal. Um, we had found out, um, Hema, who was our team lead on this, had found the deal, initially kind of bypassed it because it seemed like, you know, it wasn't really a good deal. But once she got digging into the, the weeds, see all the information, she saw the potential on it. And so it was actually brokered and we worked with a broker um, to, to do the deal. But it was one that a lot of people passed up on because they couldn't really see the potential. Because sometimes some deals, especially when it's seller finance or seller owned, um, and self-managed, it's hard to see really through the finances because, you know, as, as operators ourselves with our own property, sometimes they're not as uh, sophisticated with how they handle their books and how they handle all the expenses. So it looks a hot mess. But when you take a, you know, a deeper dive into it, you can see the potential there. And so that was what we were able to see with this one. Oh, yeah. Those are the best mom and pop owned really big yeah. books. <laughs> oh, that's so amazing. Okay. So then you're colleague Hema brings you guys the deal um then did you guys go through the broker to get it uh the seller financing or how did that pan out because usually yeah 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 still included I mean the brokers were great because they were the ones that you know presented the deal and you know of course we want to make sure that everyone is you know who does their part gets their fair share and so we definitely still you know were compensated the, the um the brokers in that respect absolutely so but they had presented to you guys the deal with seller financing? Um, that was something that we negotiated. Um, it wasn't, it was really open. And so we, we, we went back to them with that. Um, and particularly because we initially were going to do that plus another 25 unit that the seller had and was going to be the two together, the two mm -hmm. different assets. But um, after some reconsideration, you know, it was part of, he owned it with a family member and the family member decided that they didn't want to sell that piece. Oh. And so we were only, you know, able right now to buy the 16 unit. And so that's when the seller financing made sense because we weren't getting the two together. Um, so that's probably how it was presented in terms of, okay, well, if we're only going to be getting this piece, then, you know, is this an option, which it ended up being because one, he, he saves on the capital gains tax, right? Because he's not getting hit with a big, he's like, oh, you made this much money. You know, let me take my portion, you know, from the tax guy. And so that was a, a benefit to him as well. Mm, that's awesome. So then talk to us a little bit about what is your business plan? And so, you know, you said that they were grossly under market rent and what, are you guys planning to do to it or what have you already started doing to it? When did you go, go under contract and close to? So contract was sometime in the, um, towards the end of the summer. 
Um, and we closed the second or last week in December of 2021. Um, and so the business plan is basically, and what we've been you know, working on is we have a couple units that um, were able to be vacated and we were able to increase the rents up to market. Um, those units that still had tenants in them, um, we worked with the uh, management company, property management company to kind of discuss and see where everyone was, because even though the rents are grossly on the market, we still were dealing with human beings that have been living in units. And we wanted to, you know, acknowledge that and recognize that it was important to make sure, you know, that we could come to some agreement about the rents because, you know, yes, we're, you know, owners and we want to be profitable in real estate in general, but you're still dealing with people. And so, you know, we were able to have a conversation with the tenants through the you know conversation, indicate, you know, who was willing to stay, who wasn't based on what the rents were going to have to be. Um, and even though the market rent was significantly higher, the, the units that were vacated, um, we were able to get the market rent for those. And the ones that weren't, we worked with those tenants and you know, had the residents kind of come to agreement about either increasing, you know, a portion of it. So not necessarily to market rent, but enough that it was still an increase. Um, and some that were going to go for a full year and some that decide they're going to go three months or four months until they could find someplace else to live. And so we worked with each tenant on a case by case basis to see what made sense for them and for us. Oh, that's great. And so the, did you guys have a property manager on site that's doing this? Yes. So we have, you know, we have a property management company that is uh, pretty strong in that market. Um, and so based on, you know, looking at all the different options, we thought it was best to go with them. Um, they were very familiar with the market and they were the ones that kind of gave us the advice about how to approach, you know, increasing the rents and what we could get. And so recognizing that we just kind of making sure that they were, you know, comfortable and aware of what we wanted to do in terms of, you know, easing in on the tenants that wanted to stay. Um, you know, being able to work with them and then, you know, on those, those assets or those units that we were able to increase to market rent, being able to do that. So we've been working well with them. It's been a great experience thus far. And the, okay. So you guys have the property managers working through that. Now let's backtrack a little bit and kind of go into the due diligence. So how, you know, you said that you guys, uh, got under contract in the summer and then you didn't close until December. So what was that, you know, process like, and, Right. So initially, and I didn't do a lot of the due diligence because that was a part of another team. I'm more kind of like helping with the asset part of it. But um, the biggest part for us was, you know, going on the contract, doing the due diligence on it and then really working because, um, you know, there are things you have to kind of evaluate and see make sense that makes sense because we initially were thinking about the two units together. It took some time to recognize that we weren't going to be able to do the second the second asset because, you know, of the family deciding that, you know, some of them wanted to keep it. And so um, on the other part, we just, you know, went through and took a look at the assets, talk a look, take a look, took a look at what um, little deferred maintenance there was, because there was some um, connecting with the tenants that were living there at the time to see what their needs were for, you know, being in the property um, and just making a plan for what made sense. And then we pretty much just had to kind of work and coordinate with the seller since he was seller financing, right, to kind of make sure that he was ready. Um, And it really just relied on him and him being ready. But we were, you know, good to go. Okay, so um, you guys went down and or your team members went down and looked at the property Uh and some back and forth with the seller because of this additional 25 unit. 
Right, right. Yep. Additional 25 unit and just, you know, doing the due diligence and making sure the property, um, you know, checking all of the items that the, the land and making sure that it conveyed as well. And anything that was a surprise kind of discussing, going back and forth, still negotiating, right? So we got to the point where we all could agree on it. Um, and, you know, then coming back to the team to get, make sure that we could get all the funds in for anyone else that wanted to, you know, put some extra funds into the deal. Okay. And then, and then we just were waiting for him. <laughs> <laughs> so that you said that you guys brought 500,000 to the table. So was that a raise between the partners or did you have you know, other just silent partners on the deal? Yeah. So no, no silent partners. We all raised the funds and it wasn't just 500. It was a little over 500 because we had to get some funds for, um, to be in the account, you know, as, um, you know, supplemental income, just, I mean, supplemental funds, just in case something happened, right. Mm -hmm. Reserves. And then of course, some funds to deal with any kind of, um, uh, items that we knew that we were going to need to address, you know, on kind of rehabbing and things like that. And so we raised all the total funds that we needed, um, from the down payment, including on closing costs and all the items that we knew in our business plan, we wanted to address on the asset, you know, whether it be exterior kind of items to take care of, or some of the things inside some of the units that had to be addressed. And so we raised all the funds among uh, the group, um, for that. Well, that's great. And so the, as far as the asset management, so how's that been going? You mentioned that that's your primary role and like what you like to do. Yeah. So I'm on the team and we, we've been meeting, um, and we have one point person that talks with the, um, property manager just because, you know, we can't really have everyone <laughs> talking yeah. with that. Right. So we have one communicator that deals directly with them as it pertains to, um, the items that have to be addressed in the property. And so then we did, we meet as a team and discuss those different things and, you know, just make sure we're on the same page. Um, I also will be doing a little bit of the, um, analysis of the asset so that, when it gets time to do the refinance, or if we decide to sell, knowing what's happening with our property and how it pertains and how it compares to what's in the market and what the financing situation is looking like um, to see what makes the best sense for us. So I'll be looking at that as well as we, you know, get a little bit more um, stabilized with the asset and looking to see what the market's looking like. So what's been your plan as your business plan as far as getting the asset stabilized or doing upgrades like yeah. So, so we've got, well, so, you know, for those asked for those units that were, um, you know, they had tenants that wanted to stay, we just, you know, came to an agreement about their, you know, below market rent and getting it up. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, we felt comfortable with raising it to a, a place that was probably more of like our second or third, um, <clears throat> year kind of projections, um, without, you know, killing them. Right. So we, we raised it enough that, um, we were still making profit and it still hit some of our numbers. Um, but we weren't at the market for some of those tenants. And then the ones in which the tenants wanted to leave, or they were already at the end of the lease and they were planning on leaving. Um, we have one that we were able to just make market rent because it was already rentable and there wasn't anything we had to do to the property. And so that one became market rent. And then one we're working on, um, that we'll be doing a little bit of rehab on it because it was um, not rehabbed. A couple of the other units were already, you know, done and ready to go um, and up to market. And so there was one or two that were not. And so those we are going to be, you know, upgrading and, you know, getting it to the standards of today and then renting those out at obviously market rent. Mm, great. It's pretty, it's a pretty chill kind of nothing heavy, right? No heavy left, you know, just taking care of the stuff on the outside that were small, you know, deferred maintenance, but it was actually really a great asset to start with because it wasn't anything too heavy. 
Um, and for me, it's been great because I'm being able to take a look at how I manage our 20 plus personal portfolio units mm -hmm. and see the comparison between how I manage those and how you would manage a manager over a 16 unit. So it's been pretty great. And, you know, the asset, it's, you know, in the 20s when it was in 2000s when it was built. So it's not like, you know, a 1970s, you know, you have to do a major, you know, overhaul on it. So that's been great. I still can't believe that the owner built it himself. Like, that's wild. Yeah, that wild. It's great, actually. <laughs> it's pretty cool. And he did a good job too. It's very. They're beautiful. They're beautiful units. Wow. Um. So, what is one piece of advice that you would give to someone that's interested in getting into commercial real estate? Hmm. I would say two things. I would say one: make sure you're educated, right? Like, make sure that you are aware of um, the space, like all of the requirements. Um, that you're familiar with underwriting. I think that is something that sometimes, you know, people want to, you know, if they're not mathematically inclined like I am, they might want to kind of just push it to the side and let that be someone else's responsibility. Um, but it's important that you know for yourself as you're investing, like, you know, this is a risk and it's important that you know what the numbers look like. Even if it's just a general idea, it's better than not having any clue whatsoever because these are funds that you have worked hard for. And so it's important that you are really, you know, aware and educated about that. Um, and then the second one I would say is probably making sure you connect with the right type of people, communicate what you're looking for, um, what your values are so that you can draw yes. the right people who have the same kind of goals that you have, because that's going to be really important in being successful and comfortable and happy as you network in this area. So those are my two pieces of advice. And ladies in 402, uh, Sia was a former math teacher. So she just, I don't know if you caught that, but she said, for those of us uncomfortable with math, uh-huh, Sia. <laughs> right. She's very comfortable with math. Lies. I'm just kidding. Um, so this has been awesome. Thank you so much, Sia, for coming onto the show. What are some ways that the 402 could connect with you if they're interested in learning more or just talking to you? Sure. So I'm relatively active on LinkedIn. You can just find me, Sia Senior. Um, we do have our website, uh, uh, arrowheadcap.com, uh, which you know, on Wednesdays, the first and third Wednesdays, I try to do an educational kind of webinar. Um, so you could check those out. You can find the link when you go to the website. If you're interested in learning about real estate, you could definitely connect there with me. Um, and I also have a have started a um, Sage and Stewart Facebook group for people who want to have wise and responsible real estate investing kind of community. So that's kind of the three places you could find me. Awesome. So thanks so much, Sia. And that's all folks. 402. Did you learn something or take away a golden nugget? Then I'd love it if you would share this episode with a friend. And I'd really also like to talk to you about real estate on Instagram or LinkedIn. So follow me at First Deal Show. If you know someone that has an amazing first deal story, or you just want to give us the dirt on your first deal, shoot me an email at firstdealshow at gmail.com and let's get you on the show. 402, thank you so much for listening. I love all of you and I will see you next Friday.